Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Justify my love. (laughs) (laughs) A career benchmark for Madonna 1990. Here we are. A collaboration with a up-and-coming R&B star, a provocative video, and a new chapter begins. Or is that really the truth? Because we do actually have to go back to the initial scene of the crime in order to understand this song. (laughs) Because this song is somewhat of a crime scene, Mark. Well, you have to understand. I I mean, I, I love this time because um like like um this used to be my playground was is to come and um other things before this this is like a complete 180 in madonna sound from the i'm breathless music from inspired by the film dick tracy and even vogue it sounds nothing like any of those songs and i think after spending a year on the road, like a a year on the road, promoting Dick Tracy, doing all of these things. She, she was kind of, Madonna was sick of Madonna and didn't quite know where to go next. I think she was at a crossroads at her career. Yes. And she wasn't looking in this direction. Like this song wasn't even something where the sound wasn't even on her radar. It sort Mm. of fell into her lap or came to her via Lenny Kravitz, right? Mm -hmm. There's a song you produced Mm -hmm. that I don't think most people realize you produced. And uh, it is this song, and uh, it's one of my favorite Madonna songs. Oh, yeah, Justify My Love. I want to kiss you in Paris. How do you come to work with Madonna? That happened early in. That was right after my first tour. Yeah. After Let Love Rule. So that, you know, it was like 1990. Or, and um, and she's good at spotting, like, who the next hot dude is yeah, in, in the music yeah, business, right? Yeah, she was uh, she was checking me out. And I'd seen her on a few occasions and, uh, you know, in clubs and around the world. Right. And um, I wrote this song, and I knew it wasn't for me. You wrote Justify My Love. Yeah. But you could, how do you know it's not for you? I just knew it. That's just, weird. Just, this is not something I would do. Do you hear it? Do you say At to yourself, time, this especially. would be good for a female artist like Madonna? Yes. So, you do. Yeah. So, had the demo made, and I called Madonna. And, and you're on the demo. You sing it. Yeah, I'm singing, on, I'm singing the, 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 the little background melody on the, on the track. Justify My Love. Yeah. Life. yeah right. And uh, anyway... I called her and I said, I have a number one song for you. And she said, sure. And I said, <laughs> you I and a, everyone else. <laughs> I have a number one song for you. And she said, bring it down to the studio. So okay. at that time I had my cassette, went down to the studio. She's like, let me hear this thing. Right. Popped it in, she blasted it in the studio. Nobody said anything. She played it again and she said, okay, let's record it. But there's another story. There's another story. There's always another story. Well, a few years ago, it was more than a few years ago, there was a big lawsuit for this song, right? Because a singer, songwriter, performer, Ingrid Chavez, had claimed that she actually wrote the song but wasn't given credit. Um, And then um, it was settled out of court, but she did indeed get the credit. 
and she got the a line larger, credit on the the, yes, the song because yes, what which, happens is and uh, what happens is is if if you're not listed on the on the song the royalty breakdown is different so you right. could get a, a one lump sum set settlement but anytime the song is used anytime the song is played whoever is listed on the as the author of the song gets the gets the credit gets correct. the money yeah. correct and Very that, important. and that she had been, you know, she tells the story. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to how she ended up getting the credit and why she didn't have it in the first place. Um, and so, but to go back to tell the story of Ingrid Chavez, it, we go back to one of my favorite places to go to Paisley Park. Well, so I met him December 1st and shortly after that, he asked me if, oh, he, he said, you know, well, he already knew that I was a musician. So he put me in the studio. He said, you got Studio B, let's see what you got. And that day I went in with nothing, no idea what I was going to do. But, um, well, the reason why I'm sitting here to this day is because I've always said yes. So I said, okay, all right. And I went in with a, basically an electric guitar that I didn't really know how to play, but I knew how to make weird sounds on it. And I recorded Reason Enough and Crossed the Line that night. I remember when I was done, Prince came in and said, okay, can I hear it? And I said, okay, and he, the engineer played it. And Prince stood there, his eyes were so wide and he was just staring at me and I was like, uh-oh, I, have I just totally weirded him out? You know, like, and um, apparently not because he wound up using that actual recording in the intermission of Love Sexy. So the story goes, obviously, that that night he canceled, the night that we met, he canceled the Black Album and decided to start writing Love Sexy. Rain is wet. And sugar is sweet. Clap your hands. Stomp your feet. Everybody. Everybody knows. When love calls, you gotta go. Um, so at the same time that they were making love sexy, um, Prince said to Ingrid Chavez, like, you should make an album that'll be a companion piece to this album. And he said, write 21 poems and we'll record them. And that'll be sort of like the, the conversation piece with Love Sexy, which they never finished the album. But what he was really into with Ingrid Chavez was these, I love when you speak and write your poetry and we put music underneath it. Mm -hmm. So she had created this sort of style. Yeah. Right. But nothing really was going on with it. They were trying to make this album. There was, but it wasn't really coming together that fast. And then they sort of, sort of pivoted. And um, Prince was like, "Hey, I'm going to make this movie, Graffiti Bridge. Will you be in this movie with me?" This is like in the early '90s, then, right? Or like '89, '90. And so then she becomes like an actor in Graffiti Bridge, and that's sort of part of the story. But around that same time, while they were making Graffiti Bridge. Um, 
and mixing it, she was it. So Ingrid was in the studio when they were doing like looping and everything for that film. She like wandered into a studio. Like she, I guess she was friends with Andre Betts, mm-hmm. who this is, who enter- is to come, who, who is, is to come. come. Well, he, this is it. This is the entrance. And Lenny Kravitz, who were like trying to make some music. Right. And they had this, um, this beat that they had lifted off of a public enemy song, the public enemy song security for the first world of the first world. And Lenny Kravitz had added like this little synth part, but it hadn't really been coming together. And then Ingrid said, well, I have this poem. Maybe I could read it over the music. And this is how they made the original Justify My Love. Yeah. Lenny Kravitz then was like, um, I love this. I think that this can be a hit. So he took it to Madonna and then the, then the rest of the story is what we told you. But Lenny Kravitz said, and this is a quote from Ingrid Chavez. She says, um, a few months later, this is like after they had recorded it, there was only one copy of, of the recording of Justify My Love, the master that they made. She didn't ever have the master she never had her own copy of it Mm. a few months later lenny she she says lenny asks me to hang out with him in new york where he tells me madonna is doing the song and that if i want any money for writing credit i would have to sign an agreement to stay silent about my role wow so then the song comes out prince calls me up she says and said what's up with that madonna song i know that's you and I, for the first time, admit to having written the lyrics and recording the original track. Prince is disappointed as we're just about to release a spoken word record on Paisley Park. So she releases an album that same year in, in uh, 1992 as um, well, the year after. Um, and he says that people are going to think that I'm copying Madonna. I hire a lawyer, a lawyer and sue for credit. So that's sort of how she gets into the whole mm-hmm. lawsuit. But she also says this is the other thing I think is really interesting about the song. She says. I think what is important to know about the song is that it is personal. It was written for me. The words were from a letter I had just written, so the emotions were strong. It would ultimately wind up in Madonna's hands and mark a major shift in her own image and musical style for a period of time. In some way, it changed the trajectory of both of our lives. That's the power of a song written from that deeper place that we as writers are forever chasing. It really is, um, if you've heard the demo of it, um, or Ingrid um, Chavez has a a version of it that she just actually released a new version of, it's pretty much the same. What what, what did you think when you first heard the song? You know, I can't can't totally remember what I thought right when I heard it, though. I I do think I was obsessed with it. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. anything that was Madonna at the time I was going to be obsessed with, you know, we'll get to it later, but more so the video was what was really important to me. And then some of the remixes, which of course were really, really important. But I think I was mostly just like shocked. When I heard it, I was like, oh my God, Madonna is an adult. Mm. And I don't quite know what the song really is about i mean i was i was uh 14 and um and i i was starting to kind of understand what she was talking about but but there was a lot of the subtlety and a lot of the kind of the menace of it that i just thought was just so provocative and uh different from from anything i'd heard her do before and and th- there was a darkness to it that after I'm breathless with its, you know, bright Disney 
um, underlined, highlighted statements, this felt like she turned off all the lights and left us fumbling in the dark. Totally. Well, I th- that's such a great way to say it. And I think it was like she, I think that the darkness, it's the darkest track she's ever done up to this point. I can't yeah. think of a track that's darker. But what it connects to for me, and I was like, when I watched the video mm-hmm. and then I saw her Nightline interview, which again, we'll talk about it in a minute, that this suddenly becomes so clearly a step towards where we're headed, which is yes. erotica, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of breadcrumbs here that that we should acknowledge. I mean, Andre Betts, who produces some of the best uh, tracks on erotica, some of the, I mean, I, I have to say Andre Betts is like, yes. if, if I could have my druthers, I would have Pat Leonard and Andre Betts and Madonna do a record together mm. now. I think that would be so crazy and so amazing. He's such a great producer for her. He pushes her boundaries um, in a lot of different ways. She takes chances musically and vocally on his songs with her. Overall, like I, it's not a song that I go back to frequently, if at all, to be honest. Mm. I don't have it on any like playlists. I don't need to see her do it. I, but then when I watched the video and was listening to all the remixes and everything, I was like, oh, this song was so important to me. Yeah. When it came out. Yeah. Um, and there was something like so exciting about this this shift that she was making and the choice of the the you know the musicality of it was so bold especially after vogue which to me was the last you know big single after this mm-hmm. it was like this was such a, a switch such a 180 well and 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 i love i love and i and i think that um uh today's youth would really get into this song because there's so much playing with gender and in the video, obviously, yeah. but the, in gender, um, Lenny Kravitz is singing the high stuff in this song. All of the ooze and the what would be traditionally the female, uh, I always think of like the Prince duets with like where, where, the, where the women are singing these oohs and ahs above Prince. Madonna's singing in this low, register speak singing really she speaks more than she actually sings on this song MTV banned it, um, and we'll get into this. Um, Madonna made a video for this um, song um, uh, directed by John Baptiste Medino, and uh, it who was- who had directed 
um, Open Your Heart previously. Yes. So this yes. was their second collaboration. And would go on to do other videos later. This yes. wasn't kind of a one-off thing. And um, it was banned by MTV and became this whole kerfunkle. And we'll talk about that. But I was not able to access it. So my relationship to the song really was only until probably the mid-90s when I actually got to watch the video. Oh my God. You had didn't get to watch it until the mid nineties. No, wow. No, I, I think, you know, I, I, think yeah. I saw it when I went to college. Uh, my friend at that time that I met in college, he was a senior. I was a freshman. He had the VHS tape of justify mm. my love. And I think right. that was when I, in 1995 is when I first actually got my hands on it. Well, this was what was so brilliant about this moment as well is that um, they submitted the video to MTV as they always had, right? And she talks about this in her interview. Um, and they, she sort of thought that it would get through even though she thought the content was pretty racy. Then MTV sort of drew the line for whatever reason, they drew the line with this video that this was not, you know, the whole video, the whole content right. of the video, not just a couple shots, right? The whole, they just said, there's nothing you can't show this video. And then she did the thing that makes her I think, Mark, it's okay to say iconic. Okay. Because, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Right. Thank I you. Knew it was coming. Thank you, Mark. Because then she and Freddie Demand, her manager, decide, you know, well, then, you know, why don't we just sell it? We'll make it the first video single that we're gonna we're gonna market and sell as its own VHS tape, which cracks me up that it's now a VHS tape. Um, but it was and like cheaply a done. It it looks yes. like a porn video snuff yes. film. I mean, it's like an black uh black yes. like container it's just the track it's yes. five minutes long and they sold it for 9.99 and i bought it i remember 1083 was, with tax 1083 I, with tax yes i was in college and i walked from my dorm to the tower records on east fourth street and broadway and yep. i i remember buying it um, and yes, there was something covert and dirty about it. This was part of it, which then she capitalizes on later with the sex book, but we'll talk yeah. about that. You know, which really, I had full access to, ironically, oddly. in 1992. But I never got that VHS. To, I, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but I do wonder sometimes if this had been a huge colossal flop, right? Let's just mm. say that it had been a failure. And um, would erotica have been erotica? Right. Well, I don't think she would have gone in that direction, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think yeah. that uh, that again, this moment of like the song being successful, it taking a new going in a new direction musically, as well as the controversy and this sort of moment of like there was some activism, a form of activism in it that felt important to her, you know? Well, and there was so much going on with censorship. And and yes. the thing that I really noticed um, uh, about the single, because I did have the maxi single of uh, Justify My Love. And, Who didn't? Uh, well, we have to talk about the remixes. But um, the thing that I most noticed today is the parental advisory yes. sticker on it that says explicit lyrics. And at that time, you know, Tipper Gore was in her... Uh, huge efforts to, uh, you know, censor music. I decided to get involved because I began to see the kind of rock lyrics that my kids were being exposed to. It shocked me, made me angry. I heard all these songs about masturbation, oral sex, F-wording, and it was terrible. And, and all of that was, ha all of those 
campaigns were happening in the culture. And I think put, having the biggest pop star in the world, Madonna, uh, slap that sticker on proudly really was a, a flag planted in the sand. Yes. Um, yes, I think you're right. You know, and she, it's interesting because she is like, I think the sticker is great. People should know mm-hmm. what they're going to listen to, you know, and that's the beginning for me of what I would call content warnings, which are so important today, you yeah. know, um, totally today, totally, you know, um, but can we talk about the remixes? Because I, I've actually gone back to the remixes more than yes. I've gone back to the actual song. Yes. Before we even get to the remixes, I just want to talk about the album art though, oh. because it, the this, single art, you mean the single, the single art. art, because that image of her, who I think imitating Marlon Brando. Yes. Or is yes. it Jimmy Dean? No, Marlon Brando yes. from, um, is so beautiful. From the wild ones, right? Yes. Wild, yes. Yeah. So beautiful. So hot. Yeah, this is this is Mark. You know, I think you know this about me. And as we get into erotica, I'm just going to keep on warming up. Like, this is one of my favorite all time Madonna periods, mm-hmm. like 91 to 93. Like, I don't think she's. I just think she's so beautiful at this time and so wild too, and so connected to pop culture from the past and looking forward. It's just everything's coming together. It's the same when we talk about yes. Yeah, it's gritty and it's and it's but it's it's both it's also still very gritty and very funky and very yes. downtown and um yes. it's not yes. slick and packaged and it's no. this weird I mean I'm looking at this this photo and she looks stunning she's got everything kind of ready to go her lips have got the collagen in it she's got yes. puffier lips yes. than she was she had before which we <laughs> see a lot in 9192 yes oh, yes the collagen which, I love that and yet her her finger nails aren't painted. She's wearing a watch. It, it, it's a very it it it's it's like she just kind of tossed it together and did it. Yeah. It reminds me of like the Patty Smith cover of Horses, where you know Patty Smith was just like Robert Knight shot took the video. It just it just kind of happened, and I slung a slung a jacket on, and that's how it. Ha- it feels that kind of tossed off way. It doesn't feel labored. It doesn't feel she just kind of got dressed up. They styled her. She took the photos. She didn't think about. That's right. Well, I can't that. remember. It may say in there who took the photos. I want to say it's her Brits. It was her Brits. Yes, yeah. That is so there, there we have again this long collaboration with the photographer who she feels very comfortable with, and they're playing, mm-hmm. you know, and they really know her vocabulary. It's just phenomenal. Um, so, but yes, the remixes. Oh, I can't. I mean, th- first of all, the Beast Within remix, I mean, is a song on its own. In fact, later it just becomes its own song called The Beast Within. They don't even try to make it connected to um justify my love anymore but well and and wasn't this one of those weirdo controversies where they're like if you roll it backwards that it's like you know madonna's like you know casting right. spells yes, or speaking yes. the book of revelation well she is those are she from is, the book yeah. of revelations yeah. but then yeah if you cat yeah supposedly yeah i guess if you play it, it was demonic <laughs> demonic channeling blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear and to keep what is written therein for the time is near he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him everyone who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him the 
those of you who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. I know your works. I know your toil. Well, my favorite, so uh, last night I, I was listening uh, to it, is the hip-hop mix. The hip-hop mix is so crazy. Because, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. The hip-hop mix, first of all, there's there's outright sampling. So anybody who says that Madonna didn't sample until Bedtime Stories, this is the beginning of sampling. There are The, 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 the song keeps going, and it, it, it has enough time to stretch out. You know how to whistle. Just put your lips together, baby, and blow. Andre Betts, of course, uh, did the mix. Um, and it ends with her saying, fuck me. Yes. And for Madonna, for a little 12, 14 year old queer boy named Mark Snyder, <laughs> it was a moment. It was Please. a moment. It was the moment I think that I stopped listening to Madonna music blasting on my ghetto blaster in my bedroom. I think this is when I was like, you know what? Why don't we put this on the Walkman? <laughs> The other the other remix that I love is the Orbit remix, which starts with her being like, come on, baby. Come, come, on, baby. come on, baby. You can fuck with me. And, and that was that was mixed by William Orbit. It was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. In London. <gasps> so, in London. So they, that was the beginning that of that was relationship. The beginning of William Orbit. So let's talk about the video. Yes. Yes. Uh, they shot Mark. it in Paris in a hotel room in the fall of 1990. Uh, uh, again, this is this is uh, the, the way 1990 goes. She just keeps working. She finished the tour. She went. She maybe took a week off and then. Yes. She's just the carpets kinda... cleaned out in LA in her apartment, her house, and then off she went. Um, and, and I think they did it in a couple of days. And um, uh, one of the dancers who Jose from the blonde ambition tour is in the video. He's the only one who, who remains from the blonde ambition tour. who makes quite an impression in this video with the um side silhouette yeah um and is is a very interesting kind of magical character in this world you know and i would say like it's it is a world it is not necessarily planet earth you know well, what i mean well it's 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 in a it's in a hotel and it's hermetic and you don't really know where you are and it's in black and white so it it feels it's 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 definitely a tribute to Jean Moreau's uh, film uh, La La Bay de Agnes, so um, I think it's Angus Angus, um, and uh, so it it has a lot of like classical roots to it. But you're right, it 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 could be anywhere. It could be outer space. 
and I just love that it's you know the whole the whole premise of the story, which is like Madonna bedraggled. And it's not Madonna. She's playing a character bedraggled in some kind of coat, um, you know, tied up. And is her hair looks amazing, but it's a mess. And she's carrying her suitcase down a hallway, exhausted. And then she gets so tired and overcome with desire that she leans up against a wall and starts touching herself, thinking about her lover. And then Tony Board appears. She conjures him up, basically. She conjures him. And he comes down the hall to her. And she's sort of like, there's that moment where she's on her knees in front of him and it's like, oh, this looks like she's about to perform, you know. Palacio. She pulls herself up to him and then like they kiss and we see that great shot of his hand on the wall. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting the way the camera moves. It stays blurry and it stays mysterious and you quite, you don't quite know what you're seeing because, because the camera just passes by the door frame and um, it's very voyeuristic in a lot of ways. There's a lot of watching in the video. Tony Ward watches, Madonna watches. Um, We have the, that dominatrix uh, played by Wallace Franken um, who is, is topless um, she's the she's the only nudity, actual nudity in in the video. Even though at the time when the video mm. came out, everyone was like, "Oh my God, m- m- everyone's naked in this video having sex." And um, but that's not true. She she's topless for like, you know, twelve seconds, I think. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of a lot of watching and being watched and. Um, and lots of switching of of gender roles and people that um, come yeah. into frame they change faces and yeah there's that great shot where it looks like she's like grabbing like Tony Ward is coming down to kiss her and then when when um and then his it looks like his face is coming into the frame and then she, the face turns and it's a woman's face and then she kisses the woman and we see Tony Ward watching from another angle yeah. and yeah so there's all these switching of perceptions it's the same where like it looks like Tony Ward goes down on one woman and then when he comes back up, it's Madonna. And so there's mm-hmm. all this switching and playing and that everybody's everybody's playing with sexuality in a way that's very positive. You yes, know? yes. Um, and she winds up at the end of the video, she winds up and she there's a moment when the two men kiss where she they part and Madonna la- is laughing. Yeah. And so there's there's kind of what I love about the video is there's a, such a joy to it and such a um uh a, a a warmth. Yes. Ironically enough, given how how menacing I always felt the song was, the the video has got a warmth and a and a and a coziness almost. Yes, it. yes, I totally agree because I feel like well, looking back on it now, it doesn't feel dangerous at all. Not just because our times have changed, but because the tone has humor to it. It feels like everybody's. It's not that they're playing a joke, but they're recognizing that they're enjoying it. They're having fun, and mm-hmm. I think that this just um just to flip ahead to like six or eight months later when she shows up on in Wayne's in on SNL in Wayne's world mm-hmm. um, and Wayne and Garth go to Madonna's justify go fall into Wayne into Madonna's justify my love video and Garth is desperate to get out of it the whole time because he's freaking out. Um, yeah. But that, that then we see like Madonna gets the humor of it and the absurdity of the world too. And that, I think you feel the whole time that she's 
She knows she's playing. And critics have always said about this that, like, it was very interesting that sometimes it feels like Madonna's visiting the world because at the end of the video, she's got her, she never unpacks, by the way. And <laughs> I never see her put her underwear in the drawers of the, of the hotel. Um, but wouldn't you love to see that scene? I, these are the scenes I want to see. Madonna my reading unpacking. material. Here's my toiletry kit. Madonna unrolling her rolled up underwear. Wear, <laughs> you know, hanging it up in the closet. Um, <laughs> Here's my rubber dress for dinner tonight. I'm gonna shake that out and put it up on the hook. Her looking through the cable channels and seeing what's on. Nothing. <laughs> the Rosie O'Donnell show isn't out yet, so she has nothing to watch. Oh my so, God. but you know, it is one of those moments where, and then she, she, she pulls her coat back on and kind of scurries away laughing and being happy and being um she's like know, oh my god what did i just do that was crazy and, and, and kind of kind of bites her her finger and does yes. all these things and so it, it and and as she's walk as she's scurrying away tony ward is sitting forlornly on the couch alone yeah kind of you know looking Shh. like a snack he is like ready oh. to go and he's like oh there she goes um and i also love how tony ward is wearing all the crosses Yes in, yes. in the video. He he kind of takes off his shirt at one point and he is dripped in beautiful yes. paraphernalia. And you're just kind of like, oh yeah. yeah. Um he yeah. is now the object of of iconography. Her lover yes. is the object. Yes, you know, and I think it's it's in, I think it's interesting to think about. Yes, yeah, she can she can enter this world and leave this world, like, and that that is another message about sex or sexuality. Like, you know, it's a place you can visit it. You don't have to like live in the darkness. You can enjoy the darkness or the whatever. It's not even dark because nothing in that video is dark. It's really no. in bright rooms. It's all white. It feels like it's very clean and crisp. It's a stunning video, and I think, uh, and Madonna has said um, that this is her favorite video that she ever did. Mm. Yeah, she just, really? she said that in uh, I think twenty around twenty thirteen. She said that that this was her favorite video that she ever did, or the, it's a like, great the best story. one. That yeah, it, it really is. It's it's a, it's a it's a poem in itself. It's a short. It really is a short film, where she's tried to do that many times since, um, but has never really accomplished it. Hey, I want to talk about her. Um, amazing nightline appearance at uh, in December of 1990 about Justify My Love. After the video had been right. um, uh, banned from MTV, a whole kerfunkle, now it was being sold. She was going to make a ton of I think she made $5 million on the video yeah. sales. Yeah. And um, she, she appeared in a very, um, by, by video, which is part of the awkwardness of it, to talk about the controversy. Um, and she's really nervous. It's a yes. weird performance by Madonna. It really is. I know when she came on, I was really excited to see her. I was surprised at how formally dressed she was. And I didn't like her hair and I felt like she didn't look beautiful enough, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm now judging myself for judging that. But like, I remember, yes. How, and when I watched it again, I was like, wow, she was really nervous. However, she made some really interesting points. First, you have to tell me where you draw the line. Well, okay. I draw the line in terms of what I think is viewable on television. I draw the line where with violence and 
and humiliation and degradation, okay? And I don't think any of these issues are, are, are evident in, in my video. That's where I draw the line. That's what I don't want to see. But I guess that then, then one woman's art is another woman's pornography. I'm thinking of the Express Yourself video. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are images of you chained. There are yes, images of you I'm crawling under a table. And there are a yes, lot of people yes. who are upset by that. Okay, I'm chained myself, though, okay? No, there wasn't a man that put that chain on me. I did it myself. I was chained to my desires. I crawled under my own table. You know, there wasn't a man standing there making me do it. I do everything by my own volition. I'm in charge, okay? Degradation is, is when somebody else is making you do something against your wishes. So okay? is, I understand, is the expression then of sexuality so long as it's two consenting adults, Absolutely. any form of sexuality all right on television? Well, then I would like, okay, first I'd like to say I don't believe in censorship of any kind, but then I would like to say that I believe in labeling. And I, so then I would, I would believe in some kind of you know, warning label um, or some kind of label that would say to adults, you know, after a certain hour we're allowed to, you know, play these kind of adult themed videos, you know. But then, okay, so I've dealt with sexuality, but I also think that we should also have categories for other issues that I think are not um, necessarily good for 10 year olds to watch, okay. I mean, I think MTV should have their, you know, their violence hour and I think they should have their degradation to women hour and then we could have an hour where we deal with adult sexual themes but you know if we're gonna have censorship let's not be hypocrites about this not let's not have double standards you know I mean why is it okay for ten-year-olds to see you know some someone's body being ripped to shreds or or Sam Kinison spitting on Jessica Hahn why are we gonna deal with these issues why is that okay why do parents not have a problem with that and but why do they have a problem with two adults you know, to consenting adults displaying affection for each other, regardless of their sex. And this is something that we're still debating. Why can we not see two men kissing and being intimate when we can see uh, people blowing each other up? I mean, every Christmas, I, my family and I watch the Die Hard movie at Christmas time. It is such a violent film. And, and it, it is full of people being blown up. <laughs> And I'm always very, whenever I watch it, I go, God, that was like the number one movie in the country in the 80s. And why we're okay with watching the, allowing that kind of violence in film and we're not able to watch two men kissing. Well, why? Why do you think? Well, because it was unknown. I mean, because at that time and, and continues to be the case, in our culture, male power comes from violence and weaponry and aggression and not intimacy and love. And, and, and at that time, I mean, you know, truth or dare was still a year out. So it wasn't like men kissing on screen was happening a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, this goes to, you know, the systems that, um, that we're all somewhat complicit in or, or in relative uh, degrees of wokeness about, mm. you know, like these systems that tell us that, you know, anything that's off the binary, which includes all these forms of other kinds of sexual desire as well yeah. as gender, um, have no place in the system. However, blowing something up is part of the history of the world in a way where it's very male thing. 
you know, but yes. it's very um, clear too. Uh, watching, rewatching it now, you know, 30 years later, you do see Madonna already frustrated with that idea of like, gosh, you're such a good marketer. Yes. Yeah. Cause she's like, this oh, is the cares? beginning of that. This is the beginning of that. Well, you, you really turned it into a, like a really great ploy. I don't think, I mean, the video is too good to be a stunt and that, right. that, that always has kind of rankled me. And I know it rankled Madonna. And I think it's, it's just something where, oh, it's like, oh no, she didn't plan to get it banned. I think she made a really beautiful piece of art and doesn't really quite understand why but right. yet is able to pivot and turn it into an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I, I do think it's a genuine moment for her of like, they were in the moment again, our favorite thing with Madonna where she's like, Oh, this is what's happening. Okay. I can, I can pivot really quickly yeah. to this, yeah. but, and that is what's beautiful about her. But yeah, the thing that I think, um, you know, our culture sort of looks at is like, Oh, the way to praise that is to say, what a great capitalist you are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's not about the actual product. It's about how you moved the product. Right. Yeah. She only performed the song live at the Girly Show, which we'll talk about in a future episode. Uh, it's a masterful performance of it. Oh, I disagree. And I can't wait to talk about this with you when we get there. Uh, I never need to see her do it again, though. Never. I'm, I'm so happy with how that is. And uh, stay tuned for that battle, <laughs> which we won't be using guns to have. Why? And um, we have words. And we have words. And also um, the Beast Within gets a really beautiful uh, dance piece in in that same concert. Yes. yes. Um, and and the, the Beast Within has, has returned many more times than um, other uh, Madonna. I think she's really proud of the song and I think she's really proud of the, the work she did on it. And um, But it, it is of a moment, like so many Madonna songs of this time, that you really can't take out of that time anymore. Right. You know, the only regret I have, Mark, is I think she should have done it at the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Till next time. Bye. Fuck me.